Would you stand and listen for the word of the Lord? This morning from Genesis chapter 9, verses 18 through 27. The sons of Noah who went out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was peopled. Noah, a man of the soil, was the first to plant a vineyard. He drank some of the wine and became drunk, and he lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, lowest of slaves shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed by the Lord my God be Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. May God make space for Japheth, and let him live in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his slave. This is the word of God for the people of God. This morning, we're going to take a few minutes to explore spiritual highs that come along in our faith life from time to time. So often, our spiritual lives grow dry, and we need some time away to re-energize our life, ourselves, and our spiritual vitality. So often, a spiritual boost comes after we have decided that we have a few hours or a few days to take, to set aside, to focus on God, to be in prayer and read some scripture and reflect on what God is doing in our own lives and how we might more ably respond. So often, after spending a time away with others in a community of faith, we are inspired in that way. A couple of weeks ago, I had opportunity to go over to our Egan Camp and Retreat Center. Our youth were over there for a week-long camp doing this very thing. I was able to, able to go over for one day, lead a small group, see how everybody was doing, see some of the recreational activities, eat a few meals with them, and then be their preacher that night as they closed with worship. It was a wonderful day. I came back energized. But it also reminded me of all the times I'd gone to camp as a young person. As I was going into the seventh grade, my small little United Methodist Church said, now you're old enough to go to the district camp. We'd love to send you to camp. I checked around to see who else was going in my age group. Nobody else was going. I decided I wouldn't go. But then my parents said, you know, your older brother went, your older sister went. They both had a great time. We think you should try it. So I decided I could give it a try, and I went to camp, and it was wonderful. It was a fantastic experience to be with a whole group of people who were setting aside a week to focus on God. We would get up and worship in the morning, again at lunch, again in the evening. During the day, we had all kinds of small groups and Bible studies, but also had plenty of free time to go to the swimming pool or go down to the creek that's at Camp Egan and swim in the creek or hike, all kinds of crafts and recreation. Got to meet a few young ladies. That was fun as well. But every year after that, 
I made it a point to plan my summer around going to Methodist church camp because it was such a fabulous experience. I was truly on a spiritual high when I, would got, when I got home. I would tell my family for hours about all the wonderful things that had happened and the preachers and other adults that I had met and how vital it was and all the good friends that I had made. How my faith was stronger and deeper. And then after I talked myself out for a few hours, I would lay down and go to sleep for a day or two because I was exhausted from all the fun we had had. But then once I was back up and around, this was before all the digital media we have, I would write in longhand letters to my friends that I made who lived in other towns and send those off and they would write me back and we would correspond during the summer. But then about August, of course, it was time to start getting ready for school again and then back into school and studies and homework and sporting events. And before long, the spiritual high was gone. I was back into the regular routine of my life. But it, would, it was a fabulous experience. It helped form and shape me. It shaped so much of my spiritual life. It helped me discern a call into ministry as I grew into my older teen years. It was a spiritual high, no doubt. Noah had that experience in a very dramatic way. Now, when we started reading in chapter 9, the spiritual high that Noah had has evaporated. But in the chapters before this, we're told about Noah and how he was a righteous man, how he was a man that listened to God and spoke with God and did what God wanted people to do. We're introduced to him back in chapter 6. When we first meet Noah, though, in chapter 6, it's really at one of the lowest, saddest points in all of Scripture. I want to read you a couple of verses from Genesis 6, verse 5 and 7. The Lord saw that the wickedness of humankind was great in the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that He had made humankind on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out from the earth the human beings I have created. People together with animals and creeping things and birds of the air. For I am sorry that I have made them. What a terrible point in human history. But then the story goes on to say, but Noah found favor in the sight of the Lord. And then in verse 9 it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. And then this last phrase, Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. And so Noah ends up being the person who's chosen to survive this great calamity of this flood. He and his sons and a number of animals, they gather, get on the ark. He hears these instructions from God to build this big boat because a flood is coming and everything around is going to be destroyed. And so he does so. And sure enough, 
they survived the flood on this ark. And then after months together, the waters recede and they're able to get off the boat. I bet they were ready to get off the boat after having a boat full of animals for months. Have you ever been downwind from a barnyard? You know it's there. You're ready to go another place soon. I think they were ready. Noah gets off the boat and we're told that he's a man of the soil. He's a farmer. He begins to cultivate all kinds of things. One of the things we're told that he cultivates is grapes and then he makes wine. And that's where the trouble comes in. He begins to drink the wine and he overdoes it with the wine drinking. And we're told that finally he's so drunk that he's passed out on the tent floor naked. So much for walking with God. Noah, the only righteous man in his generation, also has weaknesses. Noah has come up against his weakness. This whole series of sermons, Scandals of Scripture, we're looking at stories like this that show an unsavory side of the human character takes these biblical people like Noah who have done great things or doing great things but then have their own weaknesses that come to plague them, things they have to deal with. We're looking for practical lessons we can learn from these biblical stories in terms of how we deal with our own weaknesses. How can we better function as human beings, as Christians, based on the lessons we can learn from these stories out of Scripture? Well, In this one with Noah, the part we read today is he has strayed. After being the only righteous man of his generation, he has fallen far. And it's one thing to know yourself that you've made a mistake or done something contrary to the will of God. It's something else to be exposed, so to speak, to everybody knows what you have done wrong or where you have fallen or stumbled. That's what's happened to Noah. His son has seen him and gone and told anyone around. But there are some things here we can learn. There's three things I want us to notice today. The first thing that we might note and learn here is that anyone, anyone can stray from the path of walking with God. John Wesley, we know, was a great man of God, a founder of Methodism. He dealt a lot with this in his own life as well as the life of his followers who became Methodists. He read in the scripture that God was working to fill us with love and to perfect us, he called it, to perfect us in love so that everything we did would be motivated by love. Wesley began to teach this and people began to get filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with this love and began to serve and share the love. Wesley thought that was great until he began to notice that it didn't always last. He writes about that in one of his books, a little pamphlet called A Plain Account of Christian Perfection, where he's talking about people who are filled with God's love and doing everything they can to share that. And then something happens. He asks this question in his writing. Can they fall from grace? He answers, I am certain they can. Reason and experience put this beyond dispute. 
Previously, we thought that one who was saved from sin could not fall. But now we know this is not true. We are surrounded with examples of those who recently experienced all that I mean by perfection or being made perfect in love. They had both the fruit and the witness of the Spirit. But now they have lost both. There is no height or strength of holiness from which it is impossible to fall. It's important to realize anyone can stray or fall from the path of walking with God. It can happen to any of us. Then the second thing important to note here is that if that happens or when that happens, God is not going to destroy you. Part of the Noah story is that after this great flood that destroys everything but what's on the ark, God says to Noah, I'm never again going to do that. Putting a rainbow in the sky as a reminder that that shall never happen again. Never again will everything be destroyed like it was in that flood. In other words, God wants good for you. God is working for good in the world and in your life. And yet, even though God is seeking us, sometimes we still stray. We fail to follow Christ. When that happens, it's important to remember God will not destroy you so you can turn back toward God as soon as you realize that you have turned or walked away. Reminded me of a story of a fellow who had had surgery. He was back for his two-week checkup. The nurse came in and went through all the paperwork, asked him all the questions, got everything right, said, is everything okay? Anything you need to tell me besides what's on here? And he said, well, I'm having trouble with one of my medications. And she said, okay, when the doctor comes in, I'll go get him. You can tell him all about it. So she goes and finds the doctor and brings him back and they begin to have a discussion and the doctor said now what's the problem well I'm having trouble with one of my medications which one are you having trouble with I'm having trouble with the patch and the doctor said well what's the problem he says well the nurse told me to put a new one on every six hours and now it's been a couple of weeks and I'm running out of room about where I can put the patches the doctor was afraid of what you were afraid of. He said, would you take off your shirt? And sure enough, the guy unbuttoned his shirt and he had patches over his entire body. Now the instructions say, remove the old patch first before you put the new one on. Sometimes we just don't understand the instructions. We get confused by circumstances in our lives we're led astray by things we focus on or encounter and we realize at some points that we need some help we need to hear the instructions again we need some encouragement sometimes it's so easy to stray from our life with God either because of the busyness of life or circumstances that come up or because we start down one path that seems all right, but before long we realize it was the wrong turn and we need to turn back. That's the third thing I want us to remember. Whenever we stray, 
We need to turn back toward God as soon as we realize it. We need to come back to God who has created us. The one who has given us the instructions. The one who wants love and joy and peace to be the hallmarks of our lives. It's so important when we realize that we're off track, that we turn back toward God and know that we're going to receive love and mercy and goodness and forgiveness from our Lord. So going forward, it's important to think about how do we live our Christian life? And are we making room for prayer? Are we making room for time with God in terms of how we live our everyday existence. I want to suggest that you consider some of the opportunities coming up that the church will be offering, ways that you might be able to be involved in an experience that would give you that spiritual boost, that spiritual high, the spiritual vitality that you might be yearning for. We're going to be offering some retreats later this summer and into the fall there's going to be a walk to Emmaus retreat as well coming this fall that you could attend that's put on by the upper room they also have the spiritual academy it's a five day long experience they have another one that lasts for two years where you go off and on every quarter lots of opportunities to either be in a small group in a bible study in a spiritual growth group here at Boston Avenue Have you ever taken advantage of one of those opportunities? What people report to me is that they get so much out of those experiences once they give themselves to it. Or for others, it has to do with service experience. We have lots of opportunities to be volunteers in mission, we call them. We had a whole group that came back from Bolivia this year. They went and served about 10 days. When I saw them, you could tell they were energized. They were on a spiritual high because they had had such a great experience with the Methodist in Bolivia and their opportunity to serve in a healthcare capacity and help impact people's lives in the name of Christ. Well, a whole variety of opportunities. It matters not so much which one, but that you have thought about your own life and how God might be trying to reach you or feed you and you've connected with that opportunity. The testimony of Christian leaders throughout the ages is that spiritual vitality comes most often in community with other Christians who are focused on God, who are making time to listen and to speak to God, to look at God's Word and go deeper in terms of understanding and how God might be speaking to you through it today. All of that happening in a community that's opening heart and mind to God's Holy Spirit to lead us into the future. I recommend it to you that you find that place in your life, in the rhythm of your living, so that surely you can see that you've put God at the center of what you are doing and opened yourself to the blessings and leadings of God moving into the future. Prayer is such an important part of that. Certainly prayer was an important part of the old-time revivals. I'm going to give us a couple of minutes here this morning for each of us to have a little time of prayer right here, asking God to renew us wherever we have been on our spiritual journey to draw us back to focus 
so that we're responding to God's action in our lives. I put a prayer at the end of your outline there in your bulletin. You can use that prayer or pray one of your own. I've asked Jenny just to play for a couple of minutes some soft music as we have this time of prayer together. Let us pray.